As the world comes to grips with the coronavirus crisis, the pandemic has also shut down the coronial inquest into William Tyrrell's disappearance. Before it was suspended indefinitely, the inquest heard explosive new evidence about the main suspect in the baffling case, convicted pedophile Frank Abbott. He is currently serving time behind bars and is the focus of the current strike force and its ongoing investigation into William's disappearance. In this episode, we'll also hear more about a Kendall local's claims that he saw William Tyrrell in a car after his suspected abduction. I'm Natasha Belling. And I'm Leah Harris. This is Where's William Tyrrell? Leah, let's start with this explosive new evidence against convicted pedophile Frank Abbott. Who is Mr Abbott? So we revealed on the podcast last year Abbott had become a key suspect in the case after police searched the property where he lived in a caravan at the time William disappeared. He's a convicted child sex offender who was living in the area on a property about five kilometres away from Benaroon Drive, which obviously has since been thoroughly searched. He appeared at the inquest from a jail cell via video link and represented himself, which meant he was given the opportunity to question all the witnesses. The inquest heard a lot of new disturbing evidence. Tell us more about that. Local woman Iris Northam testified at the inquest. She and her husband used to employ Abbott to do odd jobs around their scrap metal yard in the 90s. Mrs Northam was asked in court about a woman found murdered in a local riverbed in 1996. 37-year-old Margaret Cox was found bludgeoned to death two days after she disappeared while walking home between Cundletown and Taree on December 19, 1996. And Taree, of course, is where the inquest is being held and it's, it's not far from Kendall. So Mrs Northam told the court she saw Abbott in the days after her body was found and that he, quote, had some marks on his arm, which he claimed were from oysters. But she told the court, and this is another direct quote, they didn't look like oyster scratches to me. They looked more like finger marks had gouged the skin. She was then asked if she had a level of concern about that and she replied, well, sort of, yes. We also heard from a local couple, Peter and Jody, who you've spoken to before, Leah, for this podcast. Now, they testified at the inquest after being interviewed last year. They used to live next door to Frank Abbott in 2015. He lived in a caravan on their property at the time. And they've spoken to you that they were very, very wary of him and they certainly did not trust him around their children. Peter and Jody were only recently interviewed by police after they spoke to me for this podcast last year. And in fact, that property next door to them where Abbott lived in 2015 was only searched by the strike force a few weeks ago. They brought in police divers to search the dam and sniffer dogs and even did some digging. And that was all after they were interviewed on this podcast. Important to remember as well, another local man, Jeff Owen, also lived on that property in 2014. He spoke to William's foster grandmother in the days before William disappeared about repairing her decking, but didn't actually visit the house to do the work until after William disappeared. Now, Peter and Jody told the court Abbott knocked on their door late one night to tell them Jeff Owen was a person of interest in the William Tyrrell case. They told the court they thought it was very odd. There is no suggestion that Owen was involved in William's disappearance. 
Now, Jody also told the court about their suspicions Abbott may have been luring their dog Buddy into his caravan and violating him sexually. Several locals who took the stand at this inquest also told the court about the very strange comments Mr Abbott had made to them over the years. One of those was a man who lived on the same property with Mr Abbott when William disappeared. A man by the name of Daniel Parrish, who lived on the same sawmill property where Abbott was living in a caravan in 2014, told the court Abbott once said to him, and this is a direct quote, I know where William Tyrrell is, check Jeff Owen's place. Mr Parrish then spoke to media outside court and he was asked about this testimony. The court did hear, though, that he said to you that he knew where William Tyrrell was. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, he used to brag to everyone at Kew, including um, this is way after he was kicked out of our property. Um, he knows that he kept on saying he was at Jeff Owens' place. And, um, you know, Frank Abbott is a very bad liar. It made me sick, and I said, have you reported it to the police? And I don't know if he did or not. I certainly did tell him. Do you think he was lying when he said that? Is that what you mean? You know what, Frank, make, Frank makes up a lot of stories. Another local man who we can't legally identify also told the court Abbott had claimed to him that he knew who was responsible for taking William Tyrrell before the man then visited him in jail, where he handed him two slips of paper with his handwriting on them. The court heard he gave that paper to police, but we didn't hear in court what was written on them. A local woman who used to know Abbott also took the stand and she told the court after William disappeared, he used to talk a lot about beating a murder charge. She also told the court he used to talk about the William Tyrrell case quite a lot after the boy went missing and repeatedly told them about, quote, a funny smell he noticed on his walk home in the bush near Kendall. She said she told him to go and have a look and he said, quote, no, if there's something up there, I'll get the blame for it. Her son then also testified describing Abbott as a dirty old man and he told the court when he used to talk about that funny smell, he told him it could have been a kangaroo and Abbott responded, quote, I know the difference between a dead kangaroo and a dead human smell. Leah, one of the most explosive and disturbing accounts given during this inquest in relation to Mr Abbott was from two women who we cannot identify for legal reasons. Now, they told the court about what two children said to them while they cared for them in 2018. So the two women testified this happened to them while they were caring for two boys for a week in 2018. One of the women, who's known as Tanya for the purposes of the inquest, told the court they were listening to some music in a room. She said it was a William Tyrrell song, which we believe must have been the campaign song, which was called Bring Him Home, when one of the boys told her he knew who killed William. The court then heard the boy claimed Frank Abbott, quote, had him in a suitcase and they'd seen the suitcase. The boy also allegedly said they'd been told not to tell anyone or their, quote, mum's neck could get snapped. Tanya told the court the boy's older brother then got a bit cross with him, saying you weren't supposed to tell anyone. She told the court he seemed serious but scared. Another woman, known as Amy, who also cared for the boys, told the court Tanya had recounted the exchange to her afterwards 
saying the boy, quote, had told her what had happened to William Tyrrell and that he'd been killed, placed in a suitcase and buried. She told the court Tanya had no thought they may have been making it up. The startling claim was made as Abbott watched on from his jail cell where he's representing himself in these hearings, as we mentioned earlier. He was then given the opportunity to question the women about these claims, but he actually declined. And there were people in tears outside the court after this disturbing testimony. Another compelling and very disturbing piece of evidence came from some local aged care workers who looked after a friend of Mr Abbott while he was on his deathbed. Now, they only recently spoke to police after this man died last year. Tell us more about this. The court heard quite a lot of testimony about Ray Porter. He's a local man who several locals said was a good friend of Abbott and they used to spend a lot of time together. Porter was often seen driving Abbott around because he couldn't drive and they reportedly used to go fishing together quite often. Porter has since died from kidney failure last year. He was very sick for quite some time before his death. Now, nurse Kirsten Ogpegbu, who worked at an aged care home in Port Macquarie, which is near Kendall, where Porter lived out the last months of his life last year, told the court Mr Porter approached her one day in that nursing home and told her she had a face he could trust. He then complained he was sick of people visiting him and she didn't realise at the time he was actually referring to detectives who'd been visiting him about Frank Abbott. She told the court he then said, I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was give my best mate and a boy a lift. She told the court she asked him who he was talking about and he clarified he was referring to, quote, the boy that went missing down in Kendall. And she asked, are you talking about William Tyrrell? And he responded, yes. Another nurse named Tara Schofield also took the stand and told the court she heard about the conversation and called police. Ray Porter's brother and sister-in-law also testified and they had quite a different version of events. What did they have to say, Leah, about this? So Ray Porter's brother Tom and his wife Irma told the court they were regularly visiting Mr Porter in the months before his death at this aged care home. And they told the court he told them about the visits by detectives who were repeatedly questioning him before he died. He apparently told them police had been badgering him and asking questions about some child. When they asked him what it was about, he told them a story about he and his mate going out fishing on a lake when a young boy and girl walked towards the water. And Mr Porter claimed he told them to go home because it was dangerous, so they left. His brother then told the court he asked him if he was sure that's what happened, and he said yes. Mr Porter's sister-in-law, Irma Porter, then told the court she believed Ray was telling the truth about what he knew, because he would tell his brother if he wasn't. She said, quote, if he had something to hide, he wouldn't have hid it from his brother. After Ray's death, the court heard Mrs Porter then found a letter in his house, which she believed had come from jail, and it was signed from your good friend Frank. She said the letter asked Ray to move his boat for him, but she can't recall exactly what it said and she's since thrown it out. She didn't realise at the time that it may have been significant until she was recently interviewed by police. The court heard her husband, Ray's brother Tom, told police Ray had one good friend by the name of Frank, but he'd never met him. 
Let's go into more detail now about Daniel Parrish. Just to recap, he lived on the same property as Mr Abbott when William disappeared. We've heard at the inquest about exactly what Daniel thought about those artists' impressions of the two cars seen by William's foster mother. Those artists' impressions were released to the public in 2015 in the hope that they would jog someone's memory. Mr Parrish told the court he recognised the white station wagon depicted. We've got those images on our website if you would like to refresh your memories. And he thought it very closely resembled the car Ray Porter was driving at the time. And he told the court he immediately went to Abbott's caravan to ask him about it and Abbott assured him it wasn't Mr Porter's car. So, Leah, why is this significant? Porter, as we just mentioned, allegedly told the nurse on his deathbed that he picked up Abbott and William in his car and drove them 300 kilometres away. And now Mr Parrish has also testified that the car seen on the street looks like Mr Porter's car. This is what he said about it outside court. Do you think it was Ray Porter's car that was seen on Benarine Drive? As I said, it looked awfully familiar. Um... That's about all I can say. Do you think Frank Abbott was involved in the disappearance? That I cannot answer. But do you think he's capable? Well, uh, he scares me. Uh, he still scared me in that damn stand. Um, so uh, that's what I really want to say. The court also heard some evidence about whether or not Mr Abbott and another person of interest, Tony Jones, we'll get to him in a moment, may have known each other prior to William's disappearance. But some may argue that has in fact raised more questions than answers. So the court heard that they claim they never met until they crossed paths at Grafton Jail in 2019. Jodie Huntley told the court she thought she'd seen the pair together in the local area before. The court then heard Abbott told police in October 2018 that he wanted to speak to the team investigating William's disappearance. Officer Robert Dingle then took the stand and he said he went to interview Abbott and he told them about a visit to a property near Kendall where there was a log dump. He claimed to have run into two men there with an old white station wagon and one man introduced himself as Jones and they were with a young boy who looked around seven years old. The court heard he then told police he later saw Tony Jones on an episode of A Current Affair connected to the William Tyrrell case, and he believed that's the man he saw that day, and that's why he wanted to tell police. Abbott then told the court he couldn't recall exactly when it happened, and he couldn't even recall if it was after he was released from jail in July 2015 or before he went to jail. Leah, let's move on to Ron Chapman. Now, he's a Kendall local who we've mentioned in prior episodes. He claimed he saw William in the back of a car that was speeding down a local road. We've learnt more about this reported sighting. So, to recap, Ron Chapman told the inquest last year he saw a little boy in a Spider-Man suit in the back seat of a speeding, fawn-coloured sedan on the morning William disappeared. He claimed the boy was unrestrained, standing up on the back seat with his hands pressed up on the window. He said the car was being driven by a woman with blonde hair tied up in a bun and was being followed by a blue car. 
He told the court as soon as he saw William Tyrrell on the news, he was certain that was the boy he saw and remains certain. But he didn't tell police, instead telling a few locals around Kendall who told police and he was eventually spoken to months later in 2015. So a local woman named Kelly Lee took the stand on the first day of this latest round of hearings, telling the court she had a son around William's age, four years old at the time, who looked similar to William with blonde hair. And her parents lived on the same street as Ron Chapman, which is where he claimed to have seen this car with William in the back seat. She said she visited her parents that morning with her son in the back seat around the time Chapman claimed the sighting happened. She then told the court her son had a Spider-Man suit, similar to the one William was wearing. And while she doesn't believe he was actually wearing it in the car on the way there, he did wear it at some stage that day while at her parents' house. She remembers then asking him to take it off later that day when they heard about the boy that had gone missing in Kendall wearing a Spider-Man suit because they didn't want to confuse the people searching. The court was shown a photo of the boy wearing that Spider-Man suit, which you can see on our website. The court was also shown a picture of the car she was driving that day, which was a dark blue Subaru Outback. Mr Chapman took the stand himself and was asked about this new revelation. What did he have to say about that? So this new testimony was all put to him when he got on the stand and as a result he was asked if there was any chance the boy he saw was actually Ms Lee's son and not William Tyrrell. And he stuck to his story, saying he was still certain it was William Tyrrell and that Ms Lee had dark hair while the driver he saw had blonde hair. But this woman wasn't the only person to testify about this reported sighting. His relatives were staying with him at the time and they were also called into the witness box. What did they tell the court? Mr Chapman's niece and her husband then got in the witness box. They stayed with him that weekend that William went missing on their way to Port Macquarie to visit other family members. They told the court they stayed at his house on the Thursday and Friday night and they said they visited the cemetery on the morning of September 12, which you might recall is located right next to Benaroon Drive. They're not sure of the exact time they did that, but they said it was likely between 9.30 and 10.30 a.m. While they were there, they heard some building work, specifically a saw, but didn't mention anything more than that. They spent the day driving around the area, visiting family before returning to Mr Chapman's house when they learned a little boy had gone missing. They then went to the Kendall Club for dinner and some drinks that evening, which they noticed was a lot emptier than usual because people were out searching for William. They told the court they came home later that night and saw some people with torches that were still out searching. They said Mr Chapman had a few beers at the club and he was a bit unsteady on his feet, so they took him inside. Now, the key evidence they gave was that Mr Chapman did not at any point mention to them that weekend that he'd seen a little boy in a Spider-Man suit in a car that morning. In fact, they told the court he didn't mention it to them at all until a year later when they visited him again and he was in what they called a distressed state because he'd just been interviewed by police.
We mentioned Tony Jones earlier and his relationship with Frank Abbott. Now, Mr Jones is also a convicted child sex offender who was living in the area at the time William disappeared. Mr Jones has long been a person of interest for detectives. His car has previously been seized by police and forensically examined, but he's never been charged. And as far as we know, no forensic evidence has been found. We heard a lot of new evidence about him during the hearings before he took the stand himself. Leah, what do we learn? Several family members testified at the inquest about Jones and his alibi when William went missing, including his ex-wife, who said on the morning William disappeared, Jones left the house sometime between 7.30 and 8am and said he was going out scrapping, which is a term used to describe collecting scrap metal to sell, and he said he was going with their adult son. However, she told the court she then saw her son later that day and he told her he hadn't been scrapping with him and had no plans to do so. She told the court Jones then returned home drunk later that afternoon and she confronted him about lying before he stormed out of the house. Now, the son that they were referring to, a man named Dwayne Gardol, then took the stand and confirmed that he did not go out scrapping with his father that day. Instead, he spent the morning at home before hearing about the little boy that had gone missing from Kendall. The court heard the family then had dinner that night while Tony Jones lay in bed intoxicated and yelled out to his son to, quote, get the motorbikes ready to go out and help search for William the next morning. So Mr Gardol told the court he then went home to get the motorbikes ready, but his father never showed up the next day. When he called Jones to ask him where he was, he said he'd spent the petrol money on beer and was drinking with a friend instead, a man by the name of Paul Bickford, who's another convicted child sex offender, who the court heard was a close friend of Jones. Mr Gardol told the court his mother then kicked Tony out of the house a couple of months later and he no longer has anything to do with him. Outside the court, some other family members who were there supporting Mr Gardol told media that they believed Jones was capable of anything. Another man testified named Max Jones, who is no relation, it's important to note, to Tony Jones, to say that he was walking his dog at Henry Kendall Reserve about 15 minutes drive from Kendall on the morning he believes was the 12th of September 2014. Mr Jones, as you said, no relation of Tony Jones, told the court he saw another car parked at the reserve and the driver was looking at him when he got out of the car with the window down, but then quickly wound the window up. And that's when Max claimed he noticed the windows were very fogged up and he couldn't see inside. He then went on to walk his dog and when he returned to the car, the car was gone. It wasn't until months later when he saw Tony Jones on the news that he claimed he realised that was the man he'd seen that day. Tony Jones then took the stand after missing his flight from Sydney initially and having to be escorted to Taree from Sydney by a police officer. He was asked about his movements on the morning William disappeared and he told the court he has no recollection of what he was doing. He said, quote, if I wasn't scrapping and I was away from the house, I was probably sleeping with Debbie's friend next door. Debbie, of course, being his ex-wife. But he told the court he has no memory of exactly what he did that morning. 
He also denied that he was at Henry Kendall Reserve that day, like Max Jones said he was, and of course denies any involvement in William Tyrrell's disappearance. Jones got aggressive with media outside court and actually damaged a photographer's camera on the way out. The inquest, Leah, has already heard some pretty compelling new evidence, but now it's been suspended indefinitely because of coronavirus. So. What does this mean for the ongoing investigation and also for this coronial inquest? It's been suspended for at least a few months. There is a directions hearing scheduled for the 1st of June, but it will all depend on how this pandemic plays out as to when they can actually resume. As far as the police investigation goes, New South Wales police have not confirmed how many full-time detectives are still working on the case, But the coroner and the council assisting both assured the families and the public when the hearing was suspended that it is still an active, ongoing investigation and that will not stop. The council assisting also told the court that a new witness had come forward recently because of the testimony that's been given over the past couple of weeks and that person will be interviewed by police, but he didn't say what that related to or how significant it was. We're still yet to hear from several witnesses who are on the witness list, including the new lead detective in the ongoing investigation, Chief Inspector David Laidlaw, who took over from Gary Jubelin. What other evidence are we still yet to hear, Leah, when the coronial inquest finally resumes? It's not yet known if Abbott will testify himself via video link from jail, but it is possible he could do so under the same certificate which we discussed in the last episode in relation to Savage, That would allow him to testify under oath without fear of prosecution for any criminal activity he may or may not divulge in his testimony. But it does still open them up to prosecution if they are caught lying on the stand. That will be up to the coroner as to whether she signs off on that certificate being allowed for him, and that remains to be seen. As I said, the coroner has set another directions hearing where they'll likely set a new date for the remainder of that evidence. Leah, this is yet another delay after so many previous delays throughout this coronial inquest. This must be incredibly frustrating for William's family. I guess on one hand, to not only hear all of this new evidence, but still have no clear answers as to what happened to William. The coroner began this round of hearings by addressing William's family, and this came after their comments recently following Gary Jubilant's criminal trial where they expressed a lot of concern about how the investigation and the inquest is being run. The coroner thanked them for being there. The foster mum was there with a friend and represented by a lawyer. William's birth father also had legal representation during these hearings. And the coroner acknowledged that keeping the faith is challenging, saying, I'm sorry the many investigations have not yet removed the need to be here. We still have work to do. Council assisting Jared Craddock also opened these hearings by calling for those still withholding information to come forward and urged them not to be afraid. He also said it's an appalling thing that we still have no certainty as to what became of a three-year-old innocently playing in a suburban backyard. But it is, of course, upsetting for the family to have to continue to wait for answers and have this drag on even longer than it already has. And the coroner acknowledged that before she suspended the hearing, saying that she was hoping to get through all the evidence, but they'd been given no choice with this national emergency. 
Just a quick update on Gary Jubilant, Leah. The verdict in former lead detective Gary Jubilant's criminal case was set to be handed down by the magistrate early next month in April. Do we have any idea at this stage whether that will go ahead? We're not certain at this stage if that will go ahead as planned, given the outbreak and all the restrictions that have now been placed on courts across the country. But of course, we will keep you posted on Mr Jubilant's case and any other new developments with the ongoing investigation. Where's William Tyrrell is produced and presented by Leah Harris in conversation with Natasha Belling. Produced and edited by Stuart Buckland. If you want more information about this case or this podcast series, please visit 10 Daily and go to the dedicated Where's William Tyrrell section. If you have any information that may assist this case at all, please contact police or Crime Stoppers on 1800 000. This has been a 10 News First podcast for 10 Speaks.